of two. Welcome to the podcast, Fatherhood, Perspectives on Righteous, Intentional Parenting, where two guys discuss and explore the challenges of parenting. They share their experiences, ideas, and perspectives as they search for ways to be better sons, husbands, and dads. Here are the hosts, Joseph Winkle and Taylor Greenhall. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Taylor. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. We just had a powerful conversation with our guest, Grayson, about addiction recovery. And at his suggestion, we we now have a little bonus episode here with his father. And so first, let's take a minute and let Grayson introduce his dad to us. And then we'll jump right into asking him some questions. Yeah, my dad, Brian, he's a great man, very willing to be patient and learn how to find what's best for his son. And over time, he was able to to do that. Well, that's a great compliment. So, Brian, we're glad to have you with us. Yes, thank you so much for your time, Brian. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So, Brian, uh, Grayson has been walking us through a little bit about his experience. And, of course, we have tapped into uh, parenting and the family. Uh, He talked about some things that I keyed in on. He said how uh, you and your wife really started learning about recovery as a way to help assist him. He also talked about how letting him go made him feel more trusted um, by you. And and then he wanted to earn back that trust. And he talked about when he felt like that happened. So maybe uh, we could just turn the time over to you for a minute. Talk about once you understood the situation your son was in, you're probably trying to figure out how to help him. What were some of the, the lessons you and your wife have learned that really seemed to make a difference in, in helping Grayson with his addiction? Well, um, boy, it was difficult. We, uh, we didn't know what to do or, or, uh, how to respond or, or, I mean, we didn't know anything about it. Um, we, uh, saw all the horrors of addiction that, uh, some people might see as they go through now. We didn't know what to do. We offered rewards. We offered punishments. We offered and none of that worked because addiction doesn't work that way. But addiction works on the principle more of, uh, of boundaries and, uh, and consequences. And so we, uh, we got to the point where I think we said that you can drink and take drugs, but you cannot do that in our house. So then it was his choice what he wanted to do. And he moved out for a little while and he, he just, I think he, boy, to his credit, he determined that's not what he wanted for his life. And he came in and came to us and he asked for help and said, boy, I need some help here. And we checked him into a, a recovery program. And um, along with that, they had a family group. And so we started going to the family group. And I tell you, initially, I thought, what am I doing here? Why am I here? I'm not part of this. But as we're in this family group, I realized that it was just as important for me to be in family group as it was for him to be in his recovery program. I initially went to family group because to help him and, and thinking we were there for him. And after a while, realized that I was there for me. So, and let, me, so was, let me butt in there, Brian, for a second. Um, uh-huh. This is something uh, Grayson alluded to. So Grayson just is hearing your dad say that, that going to family group at first he thought was, a way to learn how to help you, uh, really he found that it helped him. 
do you think you could feel the difference when he made that shift of of him trying to understand these things and learn these things? Yes, it was a big, big change. It started motivating me to focus more on my recovery so I could have the relationship with him. By him putting the work in really pushed me to even put the work in with myself even more. And just seeing his humility, his patience, and his hard work in doing his recovery and not having him focus on so much on my recovery was a big change in our relationship, our trust, and the way that we started progressing on our own and then eventually together. That's awesome. Hey, Brian, uh, this is Taylor. It's a pleasure to meet you. I wanted to ask a follow-up question um, based on something both you and your son have told us. Um, one thing I had mentioned to Grayson before we started recording is sometimes the fear you feel as a parent when you realize that you have to allow your kids to learn certain lessons in difficult ways. Um, I would imagine that's magnified greatly when you're talking about something as, as serious as addiction. But in that moment when, when the boundary was established and Grayson talked about leaving the house at 17, for you and your wife, what was the thing that kept your faith or your hope or whatever you want to call it alive? Um, obviously, I would assume that was a big struggle for you to see him leave. What, what would you say helped you get through that experience? Well, uh, you're right. That was, that was so hard for us. But we had tried everything and nothing worked. We had gone through for years, we had tried different things and, and nothing worked. And I think we're at a point where, where that was like a, a last resort type mm-hmm. deal for us. And, and as we got into recovery and we learned about, we learned they, they actually, we didn't even know at the time that we were setting boundaries, but well, one of the, one of the biggest things you can do is just set boundaries. I mean, with families we've gone to and the stories we've heard, the, the biggest thing that we've seen is, is really helped their loved one is setting a boundary and, and sticking to it. Setting a fair boundary too, but, uh, setting boundaries. And we didn't even know it at the time, but we were just at the end. We just didn't know what to do. We just didn't know what to do. And so we said, okay, you, you know, you go live your life and do that, but you can't do it in our home. And, uh, but yeah, it was hard. It was one of the hardest things we've ever done. Um, because we didn't know what was going to happen to him, and it, it was difficult. I mean, I, I have a business that's downtown Ogden, and, well, I saw so many young people down there just walk by my window every day, deep in addiction and just completely buried in it with no hope of getting out, and my fears were running wild, and I, I was scared to death that I would see my son in that situation, and it was just so fearful, so fearful. I just... Oh, every day I just was so f- afraid of of him being in that environment and that situation where he's so far gone that it's just almost impossible to come back. Could you somehow quantify for us the difference in emotion now that you see your son where he's at now? We're just honored that he would take the time. And obviously, you know, he's using this platform to help other people, which I think is is amazing. Could you quantify how how different your emotions are now? Just uh, extremely proud of him for the work he's put in. I mean, it's been yeah. hard for him, and it's it's something that he's done pretty much on his own. I mean, he got some help. He got the tools to know how to do it, but it was hard, and he's, he's done the work himself, and he's worked really hard, and uh, 
And I just have to stay in my hula hoop and I have to work on myself and my recovery and my improving myself. And, uh, but boy, we couldn't be more proud of him and what he's doing. We, we've kind of learned in our, through our family group that we just, we just need to love him no matter where he's at. And we learn to do that. Um, so no matter what situation, um, someone's in, you have to love them and not accept what they do, but we have to love them as, as who they are. Just one thing that came to my mind as you were just sharing about, uh, you just have to love them no matter what. Now I have, uh, I have seven children. Taylor, of course, has, is a father. Um, the love for a child doesn't change because of the things they do. The love remains. I think what changes is the fear becomes stronger than the love. Whereas what your kids are seeing from you, the anger, the frustration, the disappointment, the love is still behind all that. They just can't see it anymore because the fear brings all these other things to the surface. And so what they, they feel, of course, is uh, they've disappointed someone. They've been, they feel rejected. They feel like you know, their parents don't want to be a part of that. But I think the love does remain. So do you think it's about being able to show that love for them above these other emotions? Is that accurate? Is, am, I, am I bringing that to the right place? No, I, I think that's good. I, I think you're right. Um, it is difficult at the time. You still love them, but, uh, you know, like you say, the frustration level and, and the fear and, uh, the unknown, uh, all those things get a hold of you and you've got to learn to just love them and, and accept them wherever they are in their life. Grayson, anything that you want to add to that? What you feel like your parents have done that's made the biggest difference to help you move on. Your dad has put it all on you. Like you did the work, you made it happen. What do you think, just for advice for other parents, what have they done that meant the most to you in helping you? Well, just at the beginning when I was 17 to actually let me just, just say, hey, look, set a boundary right there. And if you, you can't do this anymore at the house, that really set everything else into, into action. And looking back, that was probably the best thing my parents did for me is let me go, home, go out and do my homework to figure out how life really is. Like, do you really want to do this rest of your life? But the biggest thing now is, is there is hope, of course. As time goes on, as you learn, hope is there. And with my parents, they were a great foundation. As they learned in their program and their recovery, it made me a way for, to go to them for help, to open up to them. And that, that channel of communication was able to be created and open so I could go to them and be honest with how I was feeling, how what I was doing. And obviously, that took a lot of time, many years. It doesn't happen overnight, but... It's there, and I'm very grateful for it, and for them to be willing to be patient with me, and let me learn what I needed to learn, and now we're able to communicate and be honest. Well, we appreciate that, uh, Brian. If you had a friend or a family member who found out their child was uh, involved with uh, drugs and alcohol, struggling with addiction, and there was one thing you've learned, you'd want them to know. One thing you'd You'd want them to start off on the right foot on and how to manage this and help with it. What do you think you would want to say to them? Well, uh, number one, uh, love them no matter what, where they're at in their lives. Uh, but number two, it's like Grayson said, it's, it's, and we didn't even know at the time, but set boundaries. If you set a boundary, they'll know um, where they stand, and those boundaries 
I've seen them work in numerous families that we've have been associated with. Boundaries really work. We've just heard so many stories about that. One lady talked about her daughter and uh, she'd lost her kids at the time and she um, had lost every place that she could stay and she called her mother up and it's winter time and she says, I, I need some place to stay for just a little while. Uh, and she'd burned her bridges with everybody she knew and all her friends and her mother said, you cannot come here until you're in recovery or have gone through recovery. To her credit, the mother held her ground and it had to be one of the hardest things she ever did. And her daughter turned her life around, got into recovery, and now is doing very well. Um, I can tell you countless stories about that, that love your child where they're at and set boundaries. And know that, that those boundaries are there because of your love for them. One of the hardest you know, things you'll ever do is, is set boundaries, but uh, set realistic boundaries also, but boundaries. Well, we also have uh, Grayson's mother, Jeanette, on the phone here, and we're honored to have her as well. And Jeanette, I would just ask you the same question we just asked your husband. If you had the opportunity to talk to a mother of a child who was in the beginning stages of dealing with addiction, what kind of advice or counsel would you feel inspired to give that mother in that moment? Well, as a mom, the first feelings you get when you find out your son or daughter is in uh, active addiction is you feel extreme guilt. And then you hate to see your son or daughter suffer. And so as a mom, as you're raising your babies, you want to fix everything. And so by me trying to fix and make him happy and making him suffer longer by enabling him and not allowing him to suffer the consequences of his actions, it just um, helped him remain in his addiction that much longer. But you don't know that. You don't have the tools. And so finally, after all the insanity, you're losing your mind and everybody's unhappy. You're almost coming to the conclusion, you can't live here anymore. We can't do this. Our lives are falling apart. Thank goodness for Grayson, honestly. Because it is recovery has helped our whole family and my relationship with our husband because we have the tools to understand. My job as a parent is to love my child. I don't have to accept or be okay if they make poor choices. We set boundaries, and if he wants to live in my home, he has to go to recovery and practicing those practices. But if he doesn't, I still love my son because I know who he is. He's a good person at heart, no matter what your child's doing. They just want to know that they're loved and accepted. And it's hard as a mom to get in your hula hoop, because as a mom, when they're little, it's your job to make everything okay. And so I realized I can only heal myself and it's Grayson's job to, to heal himself and just to respect each other's boundaries as well. And it's beautiful to see when Grayson was in recovery. It, I mean, it's so heartbreaking when your kid is suffering, but it's, it has to be their choice and their desire to get healthy. And the longer I postponed it by bailing him out or Whatever it took, you know, pay for this, pay for that. It, it just postponed his recovery. So I'm very proud of my son that we, we are actually in recovery and I'll go to family group for the rest of my life. Well, that's a powerful message. And I, I, I love that you and your husband have both used that word for yourself, recovery, because, uh -huh. uh, you know, these experiences that we face in life, 
Um, they do happen to all of us. It's not just what Grayson was doing that was happening to you. It's, it's what you were experiencing in that and the choices you were making and the lessons yes. you were learning and you had to recover through the things that you went through. And I, I think that's a beautiful sentiment and idea of how people can look at it. It's not just one person. We're all a part of it. And how we act and respond can help that process or it can delay that process. Grayson, as we finish up, anything you'd like to add to this? Uh, anything you'd like to say as uh, kind of final thoughts? I'm grateful to have parents that are willing to to invest their time and to understand the addiction process and the process of recovery. I'm, I'm grateful for my addiction. It brought a lot of heartache, but it brought a way to a new channel of, of communicating, a new channel of trust, a new channel of love and openness to not myself, but to my parents and my family. And through time and through hard work and taking one day at a time, you can become sober and there is hope. And can you and you can build relationships and keep those relationships. So Grayson and your parents, thank you so much for your time. I think we've talked about in the previous podcast enduring well. And I think one thing that is a benefit from enduring a trial such as this is it puts you in a position to uh, help other people who might be going through a similar trial. So we just want to thank you first, first of all, for your time, and second of all, for this message because I think it is a powerful message. Joe and I are both, I think I can speak for Joe in saying that we're taking things away from these conversations that will help us in our parenting and our relationships with our children and our communication. And we appreciate that time. And we appreciate everyone for listening. And we hope that this uh, is a message that can help you or someone you know. And if, if it is, we invite you to please share it and uh, remember to subscribe to this podcast. So thank you very much. We are so glad you could join in on the podcast, Fatherhood. Perspectives on Righteous Intentional Parenting. You can find us on all the best podcast sites. Please subscribe and share. And be a part of the conversation by sharing your ideas, posing questions, and making suggestions. Drop us a line at fatherhoodperspectives at gmail.com. That's one word, fatherhoodperspectives at gmail.com. This segment was recorded and engineered by Jim Fugate. The music for this podcast was provided by thepodcasthost.com and Alitu, the podcast maker. Find your own free music over at thepodcasthost.com slash free music.